this morning. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for what we've already been able to sing to you. And may the words of our lips reflect our very heart. God, we want you to know how important you are in our lives. We want you to know we can't do it without you. We want you to know how much we appreciate the very presence of Almighty God in our world, but most importantly in our day-to-day life, in our being. And because of that, we know you are there. This morning we look over our list of so many individuals today that need that special touch and care. And God, we continue to bring them to you. What better place? The Vigneault family, we continue to pray. We think of Doug who is here this morning and his wife Anne in hospital. We think of others today for Danny, Robbins. God, we're thankful that he was able to get some answers and what he would call a little bit of a fix-up for his foot. God, we thank you that you meet needs, and we are so grateful for that. We think of this Guatemala trip coming up and all loose details that need to be done and the climbing U.S. dollar and the tanking Canadian dollar and... You knew all this. And God, you have a plan. Help us to know and to walk obediently in light of eternity. We think of our annual meeting coming up. We thank you for the privilege of being part of a church family. And we know that there is this side of every church. We need to meet together and discuss what's going on. And may it be a wonderful evening together. We think of the Men for God rally coming up this weekend, the number of men yet that need to get their registration in, right here from this church and others around. God, help them to do that this week. We pray for Al Cabral speaking in Machias this morning and later this week on Tuesday at the funeral. God, we just pray that you'll bless him and encourage him. Our missionary family, we continue to pray for them. We thank you for each one, how you work out your perfect plan in their life. And we think of John and Linda today. In England, we know that it is a tough field. And God, you've placed them there. Continue to give them fruit for their labor. But today, I pray that they just might just be rewarded just in your presence. God, we thank you for that. As we open your word this morning, God, and direct in these few minutes that we have, may we allow your spirit to have its way in our life. We thank you for each one that has come, for those that couldn't be here, a special blessing. And God, when it's all said and done, we'll be able to say it's been good to be together in your house. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're into First Thessalonians, and uh, we're getting there. And uh, great book for us, as 
we look at these words of remembrance, work of faith, labor of love, steadfast hope. We're going to talk a little bit more about them today. Last week, we got into the first verse. We got as far as grace and peace, and we parked on that one for a while. And I've been thinking that one through, and I could almost, I think I need to re-preach that message. It is huge. When you think about this one greeting, grace and peace, you can't have one without the other because the grace is that unmerited favor that God grants on us who are sinners, who desperately need to be rescued from our sin, and we can have grace. And once we've experienced that grace, we see that word peace comes into play because that's the fruit. That's the fruit of reconciliation. This, my friend, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus Christ came. This is what we have in Christ. All right, if I get a little excited this morning, too bad. It might happen. Because, folks, this is where we're at. When you come in after a week like what we've just had, we need to be reminded of who we serve, the very living God. You cannot have grace without peace. You can't have peace without grace. This is not a smorgasbord. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the full deal and nothing else. And because of it, it really makes a difference in our lives. Now, we'll talk a little bit about that one. As we get into this, the remainder of the chapter, I'm going to try to do the rest of the 10 verses. We'll see how far we get. But we're going to talk about marks of a healthy church. And we've done this before, and we've talked through a number of different things. And there's all kinds of, you know, if I was to ask you the questions, and, you know, what's so great about people's church? And we could come up with all kinds of wonderful things, and maybe it's the attendance, and maybe it's the money, and I don't know. I doubt if it's the pastor. But anyway, there's other things that, you know, are secondary to that, and you kind of like those soft seats and the lighting and, you know, all the different things and the fact that we can sing Larry, happy birthday in the middle of the service and all that. That's great, right? But really, when we boil it down, there's one thing that we desperately need in this generation is that God is with us. Friends, that's what Paul was trying to encourage this brand new group. Less than eight months old, less than a year old. He's writing back to them to see how they're doing. And he's giving them the marks of what you need when you look For a church. (laughs) What is a healthy church? Paul's pretty succinct when he does things. And he's just given us three things. Guess what they are? Let's read this passage. Follow with me. Chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to read a little bit to you this morning. And pay attention as I read this opening verse, verse 2. Is this what your Bible says? We give thanks to you always for you constantly mentioning God in our prayers. I think I read that wrong, didn't I? It's an amazing thing. I was sitting thinking a little bit about this with prayer meetings. Sometimes we forget who it is we ought to be praying to. And, it's, and Paul was very clear. He just finished talking about the gospel. 
Who is the gospel about? It's not about me. It's about God, His design, and what Jesus Christ has done. If we miss everything else this morning, we got to understand that life isn't about me. Thank you. It's not about you either. No. We get hung up, don't we? I mean, that's where all this trouble is happening when you look at disputes and issues and everything else that's going on. It's that we've totally forgotten God. How does God see this? What is it that God wants this morning? How can I show God I love Him today? Paul never forgot that. Paul always had God front and center. And I wonder if that isn't how he was able to go through all the things that he did without ever saying, why does this always happen to me? Derek and I, we have a lot in common. We're not all that handy. You're a lot better looking than I am, though. He was talking a little bit about that this morning. And whenever we pick up a tool, look out. I'll leave that alone. And immediately, my response is, why does this always have to happen to me? No. God, what are you doing? What do you want me to learn here? Is that natural? (laughs) No. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ can do in our life. Grace and peace will bring us to this place where we give thanks to God always for all of you. Constantly look, mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father, and here it is, your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see the three things. And so as we look at them individually, the first thing that we've got to be reminded of is this work of faith. If we're not careful, we're going to start thinking about me. What what was it that Paul just reminded them to think about? God. When we look at the work of faith, we can begin to think about what we have done. Have you done anything for your salvation lately? If you have, you haven't done anything. Because our works are as filthy rags in God's sight. It's not about what we do. It's what God did on by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and died for us and rose again. It's all about God and His work, the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings grace and peace. So the work of faith is exactly that. It's the task. It's the purpose of God for salvation. He's reminding them of this. Secondly, if we were to go and look at John chapter 1, we see it outlined very carefully, do we not? How that that all from the very beginning down to Jesus Christ coming and giving us eternal life is God's plan of salvation. It's the only way that you can be rescued. But then he says this second point, which needs to be a mark of our church, is labor of love. Now, you got work and you got labor. 
Don't be afraid of work or labor. My dad always used to tell me that one. I was always afraid of it. You know, we got the 10-quarter wood in the, in the fall of the year. It was football season, and I wanted to go to the games, and I wasn't too awfully happy, and I didn't, really hadn't learned too much about obedience and honor at times. I would sit there on a log and look at all the wood. You ever seen wood? I mean, really look at it. The more you look at it, the quicker it jumps into the basement. (laughs) Anyway, I guess that's what my dad thought because quickly he helped me with that understanding that that was not acceptable. And I learned a little bit about obedience at that point. Work. Can I remind you that we have a God of work? He started in Genesis chapter 1. God worked hard. Six days he worked, and on the seventh day he rested. We are his workmanship, created unto who? What? Good works. He works, we work. This second element deals with the gospel of salvation, but it's this element here where we understand the labor of love is just simply hard work, isn't it? Labor, that's what it means, hard work. That word love is appreciation. So it's showing our appreciation for what has been done. A different definition may be of love for you. But isn't that what really love is about? Is showing. It's hard work. You got your Bibles there? Got to turn to this passage. I didn't the last one. John. Look at John. This is, uh, again, another key thing that happened in the life of Christ. John chapter 13. John 13, 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to his God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Who is this? This is Jesus Christ. The God-man. And he's doing what? We understand that he is exercising a labor of love. And he washes the disciples' feet. We get a little bit further on. Verse 12, And when he had washed their feet, put on his outer garments, resumed his place, and he said, Do you not understand what I have done? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So we understand the work of faith is going to develop a labor of love in a healthy church. Last one that you see there, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians and you begin to read again, it says there in verse number 3, your faith, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the threefold purpose. Follow with me, we're getting somewhere. 
That word steadfastness is endurance, right? Got it? Steadfastness is endurance. And we know the word for hope is not a wish, but it's a confidence. You put the two together and you come down to this whole element where what is happening is now, once we understand the gospel of grace and peace, and we are exercising that in appreciation, we need to continue in it. So there's an endurance. There's a willingness to pay the price because of our confidence. I think of Jesus Christ, John chapter 17. You can look at it later, and that's where he was in the garden and he was praying, right? That's endurance. Have you ever thought about quitting? What will it take to get you to quit? We have a lot of people today that have come to know Jesus Christ in their life. I don't really know what it is that they actually received. Because when you think of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to understand that it is everlasting life. It's not how we begin, it's how we end. Is it not? These are marks of a healthy church. You say, well, I don't get it. Okay, good, neither did I. So I put them together this way. He continues the rest of the chapter, and I found an outline. If you see it, you'll see three things in this chapter. The first one you'll see in verse 4. There are things that we know about you. Verse number 5, there are things that you know about us. And then you'll find a little bit later on, if it will flip up here, there it is. In verse number 9, things they know about us. Let's see if this will clear it up. Got your Bible? Let's read these, and then we'll comment, and we'll see if we can finish before supper. Here we go. Verse number four. Here it is. For we know. There it is. For we know. Right in the text. Who's the we? The we is Paul. It's the leadership. These are the things that the leaders know about the people within the church. We know... Verse number four, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know, there's the next phrase, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 8, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so much so that we don't even need to say anything. What we know about you, what you know about us, and then verse 9, for they know. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. We're talking about church. 
We're talking about the marks of a church. And how this works out is your faith in God is going to be very evident as the leadership. Somebody led you to Christ. Right? There's been a few people that I know. My uncle was one that went out on a stump and he got saved. But somebody gave him the track. Have you ever wondered when you're sitting there and you're talking to that individual and they begin to pray that prayer, are they really true? There used to be a day and age when we immediately, as soon as a person trusted Christ, we got the tank filled and we baptized them. Now, there's a little parenthesis. It's almost like we're waiting to see if it took. Here's what you should anticipate when the gospel, grace and peace, is presented to somebody. This is what you see. First of all, look at it. It says, for we know, brothers, you are loved and chosen. How do you know that individual that you just presented the gospel to, who just received, has loved and chosen of God? Not going to get into that predestination and whatever, election and all those kind of things. That's God's idea. But he gives us the fruit so that you can see it. How do you know if you possess the living God? It says very clearly, because our gospel came not to you only in word. There's a lot of people today that are getting information. Like, anybody here have Facebook? Anybody here not have Facebook? How much information can you take in on your friends? How much of that do you even remember? Word only. It didn't change your life. When the gospel of grace and peace comes, it comes in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Paul talks a little bit about it later on when he talks to the Corinthian church and reminds them that conviction, godly sorrow, that's conviction. And godly sorrow brings you to repentance. That's what conviction is supposed to do. It doesn't bring you up to the mirror and you look at the mirror and you say, oh, what a mess. And you walk away. You walk to the mirror of the God Almighty and the Holy Spirit of God reveals to you your sin. And you realize you need to be received and you need to be redeemed and rescued. And you accept the word of God in power. And it changes your life. Leaders, That's what we look for in the people of God. Well, 
what was it that you were looking for? You remember when that guy talked to you about salvation? Look what it says. You, verse number, whatever it is, five. You know the kind of men we prove to be among you. For your sake, we're talking example. You can't lead somebody to Christ if you don't know him yourself. They see something in us. And that something is worth imitating because we're imitating Christ. And you receive the word in much affliction. It's back to the word conviction, repentance, godly sorrow. In this case, they were in a community that was totally non-acceptant to the gospel. But it wasn't just that. It was their own life. They realized. Folks, this is the problem. We've got people today that want to have reconciliation with God, the peace, but they're not willing to accept the fact they need to be rescued first. I'm not that bad. I'm as bad as this guy. We're bad. We're flat-out sinners. And if we don't accept the lifeline from God, we're going to be condemned to a place called hell. Ouch. Does anybody really want to hear that? Not unless you're drowning. You ever almost drown? Hope not. Three times. I can remember it. As I am right here, I can remember every time. Well, the, when I, the first one, I was only like five. I fell through an inner tube. Somebody had the bright idea to put you on an inner tube, you know, with a round hole in the middle. At five years of age, with water, it's like grease. And guess what? They pushed me out. And there I am in the water, having a grand old time, and all of a sudden, bam, and I could see. The tube above me. I saw people's feet and legs. And I could do absolutely nothing about it. Nobody had to tell me I was in trouble. That's what the Holy Spirit's job in conviction is to do. Not us. We don't take them just the word. We take the Holy Spirit of God with us. And when we talk to people, we can have the confidence that God Almighty can do those things that we can't do. And when that individual realizes that he needs to be rescued, you don't have to do much but just get out of the water and get him, get him on the bank. They received it because of the example. When I go with the grandkids, which is very rare, we don't have bathtubs in my house. I don't have a pool. Anything over an inch of water, I get nervous. 
And when I see my grandkids and they're in water and they got a pond right behind their house and I'm out there with them, you can be guaranteed I am watching them because I know from example what it's like. You see the example factor? That's the kind of church. That's the kind of leadership that you must see. But for why? We've got the work of faith. We've got the labor of love. Isn't that good enough? What do they know about us? The outside community. Look at it. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. How you turn to God. There's your repentance factor. How you serve the living and true God. There is your practice within the family of God. And also how you are waiting for his son. We live differently now, don't we? We're no longer transformed by just this world. We're not preoccupied with all the stuff of this world. We have a higher calling. This are the three marks. How can I illustrate it one more time? kind of like coming to church. You hear something you like. It's great. Thanks. My wife's wondering, where'd you get all that from? You hear something else. Thanks. Get something in your daily devotions. Thanks. Somebody says something to you. And I blessed. What kind of a church is that? Instead, I've been given all this stuff. I'm trying to pick honest people. example of leadership. Would you folks stand, please? You got the 20 bucks? At least you can do that for me. For 20 bucks. Why? 
what should they do? Go give it away. Now I'm really nervous. <laughs> Do you know what I just did? I just did church. And do you know what? If they find out that Tim Hortons were giving $20 bills away, Probably have to be 100 to get them here. They're going to be here in droves. Because they need to see a God who delivers. That's what he was teaching them. That was the marks. Okay, so we got soft seats. That's great. We got a work of faith, a labor of love, and a steadfast hope that they know nothing of. The family of God is vital. Colossians chapter 2. Paul wrote it this way. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted, built up in him and established in the faith. That's the church I want to be in. Pray for your leadership. Are we perfect? <laughs> no, because I want that $20 back, please. <laughs> Am I going to give you stuff that's going to turn your hair? Mm -hmm. By the grace of God, I want to be able to give you the truth. That can set you free. And by example, you will see that it works in me. And then you will taste and you will see yourself how it's working. Amen? Isn't it? And we're not going to just stuff this stuff in our pocket, but we're going to get out of here so jacked we can't wait to share the truth so that when I go out there that I can't even go anywhere that they haven't already heard the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ because you've already been there. I'm not saying that we're not because I am pleased with how this church responds to the needs of its own. But my friend, we've got to go one step further. We've got to get outside these walls. We have something. It's vital. And it's not just words. It's the change that only God Almighty can make in my life, in my family, 
in my world. And if it's working like that, then how in the world could I ever not be seen and asked of the hope that lies within? Let's stand together. Dear God, we thank you so much for this work of faith, this gospel that gives us the grace and the peace. The hard work of labor, of working it out and and showing that appreciation as we love you and love others. But that steadfast hope, that confidence that allows us to get into our community and be known as your family. God, we long for these days. We ask that you would use us this week for your glory and your honor. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you.